The next morning, I found myself teetering down a high-end hotel hallway, my heels in one hand, purse in the other, and a massive headache tempering every moment. In my head, I keep defining myself as a professional, an educated and reasonably sophisticated woman, but last night, I was anything but. I had succumbed to every primal instinct known to man, and now I was left trying to sort through the myriad of emotions that were flooding over me. Did I enjoy last night? Absolutely. Would I do it again? Boy, that's a million dollar question. Do I feel guilty? Another great question, maybe a little. Have I finally washed Lincoln out of my system? I needed to sit down on a nearby bench for that one, elbows on my knees, gently rubbing my temples. Another good question, but nope, he was still in there. Was last night some sort of bizarro attempt to get back at Link for crushing my heart, even though he knew nothing of what transpired? I think I need a different degree to answer that one. For the next few months, I leaned heavily into my work, toiling long hours at the hospital. But I had been warned by medical school profs as well as by colleagues that eventually an operation wouldn't go as planned. And sure enough, and despite the best efforts of my team and me, a patient I had grown very close to didn't survive. The weight of the loss bore down on my shoulders, chipping away at my confidence. I felt like had it been Natalie doing the surgery, she would have quickly found the correct path. Colleagues reinforced that there wasn't much I could do, but that ever-present 2020 hindsight showed there was in fact an alternative that could have saved the patient. But I didn't find it in time on the operating table. That failed surgery was the trigger, the stressor. I knew deep down that I was a good surgeon. But this one shook my confidence, and the last thing anyone should do in my state is to start distancing oneself from friends and family. But that's exactly what I did. The hospital, once my second home, now felt like a prison of expectations. So to escape, I began going back to the same club from a few months ago, hoping to recapture the magic of that evening, but this time without the comfort and protection of friends. Each time I drank too much and desperately searched for confirmation of my worth from attractive men. It wasn't love, it wasn't serious, but somehow I got tangled in a web of one-night stands, often with married men looking for a good time. The more dangerous it got, the more exciting it was for me. As weeks turned into months, I became more reckless, promiscuous, seeking validation and a fleeting sense of connection through my encounters. The emptiness I felt in the quiet moments of solitude was overrun by the thrill of the chase. The more I indulged, the further I drifted from the values and principles that had once defined me. The proverbial straw that broke the camel's back came one night when I had had enough of the bar scene and just wanted to go home. It had been a long, grueling day at the hospital, and it was a mistake to have even gone out. I was tired and a little drunk, but the man that I had met insisted that we keep partying, and I reluctantly and stupidly went back to his nearby flat. Things quickly got out of hand. I said no several times, but he wouldn't listen. It was rape. There was no other way to put it. All along this path, Natalie knew something was up but I would never let her in. However, this time I couldn't bear the weight of the guilt and shame anymore, and 
I came clean. After listening intently for over an hour, Natalie didn't judge, but just encouraged me to go to the police and report the rape. It took some convincing on her part, but finally she drove me to the nearest police station and stayed with me for the whole time. My series of occasional sins had turned into far more than I had bargained for. Occasional sin